Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Good morning. You are listening to Mystery of Parenthood, and um, we'd love for you to slow down with us and um, and listen to what we have to talk about today. I think it's going to be exciting. We have Adam Earhart here, but let's uh, begin with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you who is life, truth, and love with the Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. St. John Paul II. Pray, pray for, for us, us. Pray Holy for us. Family of Nazareth. Pray, pray for, for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So we got Thaddeus and Adam Earhart on, I guess this is two of hopefully many um, going forward, but we're excited to have him, and we're going to kind of build off of what we did last time, which was maybe a month ago or six weeks ago. I don't yeah. remember. Um, on um, Just parents as parents as as um, shepherds and again i just i say this frequently i don't know whether people listen but but we have always built um stephanie and i have always talked about the fact that we're meant to be um among other things domestic churches which means that we're meant to take from the church what the church understands herself as and then try to concretely make it apply in our own lives and so I think it's important to look at the church and where she finds herself now, um, the bride of Christ, and and learn from what's going on, learn from what the church actually teaches about who she is, and then say, how do we make that visible and tangible in our lives? That's framing it in the, in the scope of what this radio show's meant to have been for for years now, so some of y'all, I hope you just bear with me because I try to say it, but I think it's important to frame it that way. So I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, hey, Adam, give us a little brief introduction to yourself. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself again. Welcome back. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, my name's Adam Earhart, as he said. I'm from um, Philadelphia originally. Um, and I had a great, great opportunity to serve at Texas A&M um, at St. Mary's Catholic Center there for a couple of years as a campus minister. And I just shifted roles, and I'm now up in um, Arlington, Virginia, at a parish called St. Charles Barameo, working as director of evangelization and adult faith formation there. So, 
I just, I'm pretty new at the role, um, but it's been a really beautiful thing seeing um, a lot of young adults, young professionals really trying to to, to find their way uh, in, in the world and in, in their careers through their uh, adherence and love of the Catholic faith. So it's been a really awesome thing to behold. Um, so well, they're, they're blessed to have you. I know. Yeah, welcome into the yeah. mystery of parenthood, Adam. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you were talking before the show with us about um, you'd had a, an event last night that was supposed to be talking about the uh, the marks of the Church and other ways of understanding what Church means, and mm-hmm. there was a consistent um, feeling of, uh, in the in the group that you were talking to, um, people um, upset or hurt um, living mm-hmm. through the the crisis that we find ourselves in and we think it we think this rolls really well off of your previous appearance which was when we talked about parents the shepherds of their children and we looked at bishop david condola's letter to the youth synod um talk to us a little bit more about kind of use the the feeling of last night to get into this concept that you brought today of this is also an abuse of authority issue it's it's Mm. it's that we're living through. Yeah. Um, so yesterday we were, we have this, uh, program, not program, just this, uh, weekly gathering, uh, called the Catholic Q and a, and people, we have a topic and people come together to ask questions and they kind of just, uh, you know, go deeper into the Catholic church's teachings on any given area or or subject. And yesterday's was the, the church. And um, I was kind of aware that, you know, many people would, would bring up something about the scandal, which is understandable um, in, in the current crisis in our church today. And, you know, in order to kind of not to, not to skirt that, that huge glaring issue, but to, to also bring us back to understanding what the church actually teaches she is, like who she says she is, right? And Because I think that's an essential question. Mm-hmm. Right. And... It was almost impossible. Um, it just was very difficult. Um, large people just um, were you know, very concerned um, and, and want clarity. I think that's one of the things that people just, they want clarity. They want to talk about it, um, what's going on, and, and, and how it's affecting us um, as, as laymen and women. Um, and I think it's, it's a discussion that's not just how is it going to get better or or what actually occurred to to allow these things to happen? But what is our like? What do we do? Right. Um, how do we move forward in light of this? Um, and the sense of of that is you know a very valid question. How do we as lay men and women uh, move forward with this um, in light of this um, glaring you know right. uh, these atrocities or this glaring fact that you can't ignore? Right, and I and I think we don't want to diminish at all um, some of the horrific things that I, that, I, that, mm-hmm. that that have come out. That's not not the point, but it does point us to something that I think we all, I think in the world that we live in, tend to forget sometimes. The gospel starts with the fact that we are sinners. I mean, if you don't get there, you can't get to Christ. You you don't have a need for Him. And I think that, unfortunately, many of us, and I, and, I mean, again, I put put ourselves in that, I mean, put my family and myself in that, is that particularly early on in the conversion of where you are, you tend to think, okay, well, I'm, you know, I'm pretty good next to the next guy. Certainly these 
things aren't going, but, but you can talk yourself into, Hey, I'm a pretty good guy or, you know, mm-hmm. pretty good dad, but, but really what we need, it, we need to begin with instead of is we are sinners and are in need of a savior. And that's everybody from the Pope to, to me, to you and to the youngest out there. Uh, to the little bit, we we are in need of a savior, and I think that that unfortunately is something that's being put right in front of us now. And I think that maybe is a, a beginning point of anything about what the church is meant to do. Um, the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit is meant to convict us, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's the beginning. We have to be convicted before we can say, "Oh wow, I need I need help. I need something. Mm-hmm. I need someone." And it's, it, it's something um, beautiful there in, in a sense that, you know, it, it's the Church is altogether holy and altogether in need of constant renewal, right? Constant right. And reform, and it's something that the Church itself teaches about the Church, right? So yes. um, we're just see, we're seeing that, that drama, you know, that drama play out, and we're part of part of that renewal and that purification at this point. I think there's more than one way to to perceive this this issue or this, right. this crisis. And there's this, I think it, we've mentioned it, one of my professors that I had when I was working on my master's used to have this, you know, you, you know that it's the truth when two things have to be held in tension equally, you know, not, not one over the other. And, and I think this is just another example of that thing. We have to say, okay, we are sinners <laughs> and really bad ones. Um, mm-hmm. But Jesus died for us and, came for us in order that he might overcome our sin and all the, all the sin. And there's this tension of you can talk yourself into I'm, I'm too bad, too evil to be loved. I mean, some people, that probably is not, a, uh, not as prevalent as it might have been at some point in time. You know, now people tend to talk themselves out, well, you know, I'm not that bad. It's not that big a deal. Um, but, mm-hmm. but either way you go, um, you have to say, okay, we are in need of what God has provided for us. And that tension is hard, I think, to say I am a sinner, really in need of a Savior, and I'm going to hell if I don't, if I don't recognize that and then say, but I have a Savior that I can count on, somebody I can, who's provided what I need, and all I need to do is admit that I'm a, a sinner and be accountable for what I've done and then ask for forgiveness and trust in God's mm-hmm. mercy. I, I think that, um, so, sorry, Adam. Um, no, no. I, I think there's something remarkable here um, as a lay, as a layman that's very similar to what, where you reach when you're kind of an adult child and you get to that point where you can look at your parents and you say you can recognize the flaws in them as human beings. Right. Mm. You see that they, you, you yourself can see or have learned of through family yes. conversation and stories of mistakes that they've made, you know, mm. and you can see the flaws in them as human beings. You may even have been hurt by them or have some, you know, unresolved, uh, angst with maybe the way they handled a situation or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yet you recognize that they are your parents. 
they have a, a role, a critical role to play in your life. You love them nonetheless, and you're going to continue to, you're going to serve them faithfully till the end of their life. Is that, is that fair? Mm. Is that a fair I, analogy? I think, I think that's really powerful. Um, I think, I think you're touching on something very, very deep there because um, that in itself is, is a place of, of great growth, I think, and, and self-awareness, and, and it actually equips you to to carry on your own calling as, as a parent, in a, I, I feel, in, in yes. a better way, or at least a more self-aware way. But also to touch, to kind of bring that point, Thaddeus, together with what Trey was saying as well, is is I often talk to my own kids, or when I worked at St. Mary's uh, with students there, is you know, there, there's this understanding of repentance as just this, like, self-pity or like this kind of beating oneself up and i you know that's just that's all wrong right repentance is a great gift mm-hmm. there's this idea that when something comes uh, into the light and, and there's that 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 pain there that sorrow it, it leads to conversion it leads to greater conversion it ought to you know in light of trusting in god's mercy yep. that sorrow turns into uh, a transformation, right? Because it, it turns into a greater trust into the Lord, if if that's you know, where you place your trust, right, in, in the Lord Jesus. And that, in this sense, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, I don't. I didn't want to interrupt. I I thought you had a point, but I, but I think building off of what both of y'all are saying, as parents, I think it's really important that we that we teach them that really ultimately, even though we're in a position of authority, that, that, that even we're under the authority of God himself. And, right. and, and, mm-hmm. when, and that it's because I think we contend and I've done it. You, who doesn't love when their kid thinks the world of <laughs> thinks you're perfect, you know, the great, you know, I want to be just like you. Mm-hmm. I think that life provides us each with the opportunities to, to, <laughs> to show them you, your trust should not be in me. I mean, I'm going to do all that I can, but I am still going to fail you. Not, I'm going to do my best not to. But I, but if I fail you, that should not break your trust in who God is or who Jesus is. And we should always be pointing back to that because I, you know, and I, and, and there's nothing worse than, and it is a, it is a moment. I this happened probably about six months ago, and I mentioned it on another show where there was some stuff going on in our house. And there was a lot of arguing between siblings. I don't remember exactly what happened in it. Funny that way, you know. I don't remember. I can remember the the argument. Do not remember what it was. And I interjected. And when I interjected, I used some phrases that were not things that would have normally come out of my mouth. And 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 I can remember in the heat of the moment thinking, I'm going to go ahead and say this. And I shouldn't have because what happened was is is my son, one of my sons, I could, it, it really, it destroyed him. Mm. I can't believe that you would say that. It wasn't, it was a, it was a, not a, an attack on the person. It was, it was a general mm. statement that was something I would not have said. And had I not been upset. Um, mm. and I remember the minute I saw his face and this is a, you know, 19 year old kid, I could tell that somehow. And so I had to stop and say, you know, you were right. I made a choice. I knew what I was saying. I shouldn't have said it. This was why I was saying it. But let me carry this further. Mm-hmm. I am a sinner. No difference. Don't, I mean, you're, you're, 
that doesn't mean that I shouldn't be embarrassed that I said what I said. It doesn't mean I shouldn't mm-hmm. go to confession to do it. But what you need to learn from this is I ain't Jesus. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I'm not a saint yet. And, and I will make mistakes and I will say things that I ought not to say, things that I would never let you say. And that should not be a negative. That should point you beyond me to whom I'm trying to point you to. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that I should go back and do this regularly. Doesn't mean that I should hold on. I should admit to you and go to a priest and admit I shouldn't have said what I said. But there's a way of teaching. There's a way of teaching that we're stewards of these kids. We're shepherds. We mm-hmm. are in authority over them. But we are fallen, and I think it really does springboard off of what's going on in the church and understanding of I'm still am in authority over you, but I am still human too. I'm not Jesus. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know if that makes any wow. sense. Or yeah, not, and but. and it comes back to that great um, reality that the truth is not with within ourselves. Right. It's mm-hmm. an objective reality. It's a person outside of ourselves to whom we have to um, subject ourselves, and we have to, you know, come to understand and you know also rationally submit to that yes that yes this makes objective logical sense and therefore i'm going to follow it and right. hold myself accountable to it yeah and the, and, the, and, the, and i'm gonna let adam answer this but the thing but the thing that that now i'm thinking about is i had taught him what was appropriate not appropriate so the, mm-hmm. the teaching i had been on target right and it was yeah. the very teaching that I was teaching that he was able to recognize yes. in me going against that yes. teaching. And so that's actually a positive thing, but right. it's a recognizing that the truth is outside of ourselves right. and that I can teach it right. and still violate it. Right. And, and this is also why in the proper Catholic understanding of the word, this crisis is a scandal because mm-hmm. what's, what's being done is in contravention of what the Catholic Church teaches is morally good and upright. I had never right. thought and, that and, way. Go ahead. And we even see this in, in the beginning of the church, right? The Council of Jerusalem where Saint Paul uh, you know, speaks against Saint Peter's actions where he would eat with the, the Jewish people but not with the Gentiles. Um, in the sense of there's this you know, this this standard which is objective truth that, you know, doesn't go away with someone not living up to it. Right, and it, it convicts you. I think the thing, one thing you can say is the as the church, and hopefully in your own household, is the very thing I'm hold to a standard that I'm not, I'm not in charge of. It's not my standard; it's the standard, right. and yep. and I have to teach it because that's where that's my role. But I'm I'm beholden to that standard as well, and yep. and I'm called to that same conversion and can be judged by it, even though I may be an authority over you. I can still. That's yep. what happened with my. With my son, it was more sadness because I mean, it, when it when it I mean, it's one of those things. Where you, you let it out, you thought about it, you thought I'm going to do this to get somebody's attention, and I did, but I didn't get him in the in the way that <laughs> that I had hoped. Mm-hmm. And so we make mistakes because we're sinners. But the good news is he had the standard to go, Dad. I cannot believe that you'd say something like that. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. that that's the same ways that we should look at. There are bishops out there. There are parents. There are moms, dads. We there's a standard by which we should judge ourselves, and it's separate from us. We're not creating this. I just can't believe that he was so offended by you saying 
supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Right. Yeah, I don't want to get into what I said, but it, but it, but, but <laughs> I, but I, but, copyright infringement. But yeah, but, but uh, I couldn't say that anyway. I can't get that out of my mouth. <laughs> so. I know what it was. You said gigam, and he said what? You said yeah, we're what? never supposed to say that word in our house. That's probably closer to the truth. <laughs> uh, that's funny, but but anyway, I. I, this is why I think it's so important for a radio show and for for our radio show, but 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 in general for people to recognize that just as we can learn as we try to parent our kids about the gospel, the good news. You know, we're sinners; we're in need of a savior. Grace does this. There's a there's places for authority. What is authority for? All those type of things. That when we when we look at the church, it's the same. In other words, if you get, I don't know if introspective, but, you, but you're but you looking at it, you can learn a great deal about what the church is and what it means. So we can have a person in authority who is teaching authoritatively the truth, separate from himself, who can be judged by that same truth. He's not above that truth. Hmm. And That's beautiful. But I, yeah. but I never, honestly... It, hadn't thought about it but it is exactly what we say the church is is even when people are in authority who are not everything that god calls them to be they still can teach the truth and the church the church still will judge them i mean they will be judged by in a sense i mean the truth himself jesus himself that truth is there but anyway i it's beautiful it's it's in a sense you look at the 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 gospel message and it's and it's that authority is in service to the truth. And there's this beautiful yeah. um, passage in in uh, Pope Saint John Paul II's uh, apostolic exhortation, Christophidelis Laici, um, comes in paragraph 41, and he writes, um, and this is about the lay vocation and mission of the, of the lay people. He says the lay faithful exercise and manifest their participation in the kingship of Christ. That is. In the power of the Son of Man, who quote came not to be served but to serve, right? Right. The sense of exercising authority is always in service to something greater, uh, namely Jesus Christ. Right, and I think, and we we mentioned we kind of talked about this before. Uh, I mean, before the show, but I think that's something that we as Catholics need to recapture the truth about what authority's for. And so, so that we can understand as parents how we exercise that authority. Authority is not that I, you know, I'm the boss of you and you must do what I say. Authority is meant, and and I think we as parents need to take time to talk to our kids about if I'm saying no to you or if I'm disciplining you to do this or I'm requiring you to do that, hmm. it's I'm using my authority because it's what's in your best interest. It's what's going to make you more of who God wants you to be. And we can use authority, and I think that's what, you know, that's why there's such a revolt against authority, because in the world, so much authority is, well, well, if I'm in power, I'm going to do what I want and dictate what I want, and it's going to be because I am in charge, and you're not. Therefore, you got to do what I tell you. And anytime authority becomes that, it, it is going to necessarily lead to rebellion, which is if we parent like that, I do what I say because I tell you to do it, and that's the only answer I ever get. Do what I tell you because I am your father. Nothing wrong with that statement if they're running out in the street, 
<laughs> get out of the street. I don't have time to explain. Get out. But yeah. we've always talked about the fact that, that we, like the church, can't articulate. We have an understanding of why something is right, why something is wrong, why something is we're obliged to do or to not do. And mm-hmm. and if that's the case, we need to be able to communicate this is in your best interest. This is in mm-hmm. this is what's best for you. And I'm using my authority to help you become everything that you're capable of becoming. But that takes mm-hmm. work. It's a lot easier to just yeah. say, I'm the boss, stop doing that, period. And I have failed more than once. I mean, I'll, I'll you know, confessions. But <laughs> Uh, of of using authority because they were doing something that was interrupting something I wanted to do. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's a misuse of authority, and we need to call that out. You know, I want to watch yeah. this football game. I know you're hungry. Wait till halftime. Mm-hmm. You know, as to a little kid, that's not that's not service. That's I want what I want. That's not the way it should be used. On the flip side, yeah. we should call them maybe to do this or not do that and be able to articulate it in a way that says, this is why it's what's best for you. Mm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think it's beautiful. I, and I'm an, I'm an amateur uh, etymologist at best. I'm not even that. I just like to mess with words sometimes right. and look them up and, and see, what, see what the heck they mean and where they come from. Um, but one of the interesting things, I was asked to, to give a talk to a bunch of Catholic men on uh, heroes, like heroes in my life and, and male heroes. And I just looked up the the word and, and kind of I just wanted to see where the root root lies. And there's this uh, Proto-Indo-European root uh, which goes so far back. Um, but it, the the root is sir, which is the same root huh. in, in serve. Um, you find it in conservation, conservative, um, mm. observance, preserve, those kind of things. But mainly it means to protect. And so it's the same root that we had in hero. And, and I think this 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 beautiful entrustment, you know, of of God the Father to, to parents yes. in the sense of of um authority being ser- serve a servant of the truth. Um someone in authoritative uh, you know stance in someone's life is a servant of the truth. It's it's to protect, to to guard in, in some sense the, the truth of that person that right. perhaps as a child they cannot see. Uh, that's that's beautiful. I never I never heard that, but I, that and that's we've talked about the fact that we as parents have to be willing to deliver in love the truth to our to our kids. We're not meant to prop them up or tell them untruths about themselves for you know self. Uh, what what are, what are the popular self esteem self esteem type of things? Their self esteem is revealing to them what's true about them. God created them. God has a plan for them. God loves them. They have something that only they can do. Nobody else can do it. That should be something over and over and over again. And that we are fallen and can be mistaken, but we are also here to, to, to help them discern gifts, talents. And yeah, I know you want to be a rock star, <laughs> but your voice is really not very good. That must not be what God wants that. you to do. Right? I need to hear that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So I give up that dream. But I, but I think I think that that's I think that it's important for us to remember that's at their service. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not at their yeah. service because there are some people that'll say, "I don't want you to be a priest. I don't want you to be mm. whatever," yeah. and that's a misuse yeah. of that authority. We as parents are uh, meant to to 
discern with them and help point them in the direction to where they can use the talents that, but that involves being truthful about where they find themselves. And yes. right. Yeah. I, I was also going to like highlight too, that, that sense of truth. There's that kind of, you know, um, the, the notion of truth as like hard truth or soft truth, that kind of thing and how we deliver it and all this. Right. But I just, you know, part of me just, revels in the fact that truth is beautiful, right? Like truth, beauty, and goodness aren't exclusive terms, right? It's, right. Um, the truth is beautiful. And and just think, thinking about the present time, like what's constantly on our minds, like we live in a, in a hyper-sexualized society. We have this, this kind of ironical uh, turn towards like exposing the filth in sexuality while like bolstering, you know, people's access to it or whatever. And I feel like as parents, one of the things that we can serve best is helping them see the integrity of the human person and that, right. you know, this aspect of your life is not some filthy kind of thing that you keep hidden away in the secret place, but it's something that is beautiful because it's given to you by God. And I feel like as a family, like going forward with this, with this, this, um, these conversations and, how we talk to our children, and I don't care how old they are. I mean, well, obviously it matters, right? But, um, you know, even if they're 19, let's say. Um, but the sense of, like, how we do talk to them about, like, what the meaning of that is. Not just necessarily, like, the act itself or anything like that, but what the what the beautiful meaning of that is. And, and it is in itself an entrustment um, for, for them to live out their kingship in Christ. Right. In a sense. That's beautiful. But I, I do think that, like you said, is is teaching them, not just telling them no, <laughs> but telling them why. And, and I think even as older kids, when we grew as they've, you know, our youngest are 17, so we're pretty far mm-hmm. down this path. But but every once in a while, even as to kind of refresh them and say, so why mm-hmm. is why would would sexuality for you with where you are be a not a good thing it, um, mm-hmm. to even have that conversation. And sometimes you find that you have to do a little correction, like, okay, mm-hmm. it's holy, it's sacred. It's something that's meant mm-hmm. for a particular place within the sacrament mm-hmm. of We need to be able to say that to them and say, mm-hmm. so it is not a, it's not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a mm-hmm. good thing. The only time it's bad is when it's not being used in the context it was meant to be used and for the purpose it was meant to be used. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. But I, even at 17, I find myself having to redirect because they'll, because it, it's not a whole lot different. I've heard stories about the fall, you know, where I don't, I don't even know if this is true, but they, they say how, how maybe Adam had kind of extended a little bit further than what God said. You don't eat of this tree, this tree. I've heard that maybe he started building, you know, walls further back, you know, don't even, go close to it don't even touch it mm. and that mm. we sometimes do that to protect the core but you can lose sight of the core if it becomes about those out outlying things like you know that he maybe built these walls at a distance from it and said don't even touch the the mm. fence that's around it you know when jesus mm. when god told him no don't eat the fruit well it's the same thing i think that can happen with this you can build fences around and if you don't explain that ultimately the core is beautiful. It's meant for something special. Then we lose mm-hmm. sight of it, and they start focusing on the the no instead of saving it for the yes. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I think this serves this serves discernment, right? And like whether it's um, whether our children are considering like religious life or uh, right. you know consecrated virginity uh, or or marriage, um, this is something that's going to help serve their you know capacity to freely choose. Um, in light of of the great mystery that that that's ahead of them, I, it's so interesting to me that um, the mis the mysterious quality and and beauty of of uh, love, human love, and and sexuality is is largely um, just kind of I don't even know how to say it, but I guess kind of diluted or right. or uh, glossed over, just maybe boiled down. Yeah, boiled down. What's another word for boiled? Help me out, Thaddeus. Water down. Um, yeah, yeah water down maybe. Um, but the sense of just um, of of like taking all of that away from it, and just you know it leaves them without the tools to really consider the great majesty of of and the and the potency of it. Right? I mean, it's like yeah, what uh, you... takes all the power out of it. You know, and it's very powerful. And that and I think that's part of the problem that we have is we we have plenty. Of I mean, I remember years ago teaching first communion class in second grade and parents saying, well, they can't understand. They can't understand that. I said, well, it's not. not. Yes, they can. You just have to say it for what it is. That is Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity. You, you don't, you, they deserve that. They deserve the truth. And the church, and actually the church talks about how priests and bishops, they are part of their, they deserve the people you serve deserve the truth in its fullness. Mm-hmm. Not, hey, I'm going to temper this a little bit. Now, again, there may be times in their life, you know, if they're two or three years old, we're not going to talk about theology of the body, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but we can do things when they're that young. Like, you know, Stephanie was always great with, with they would find, a, you know, they would do dolls that would have maybe girls that had short skirts or whatever, and Stephanie would say, oh, mm-hmm. this girl really needs needs to be a little bit more modest, you know, and uses those mm-hmm. things, not maybe not even any more than that, but we're always looking towards delivering the truth about their dignity, about who they are, um, mm-hmm. without watering it down ever. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I I think that w- what you're saying there is important for us. We need to give them the truth, the whole truth, <laughs> and nothing but, well, not nothing but the truth, the truth mm-hmm. in love. And I think yeah. if you frame that truth in, I'm here to serve you. My job is mm-hmm. to help you become who God created you to be and to find your purpose, your what you're on this planet to do. And so I might say you have to do this or you need to avoid that. That's what, you know, that's what we're here for. Um, Trey and Adam, are there some, some, Questions that that parents should ask themselves, or maybe a, almost an examination of conscience along the line these lines of how I'm how I'm wielding authority, or how I how I use my authority as a, a parent that can you know, people can take away from the show that can help them help them along these lines. Any any ideas, I, thoughts? Some something for me that has been fruitful in prayer for me. Um, is a sense of like my oldest is a, a girl. She's 13, and we're a lot alike, and so there's a lot of chances for us to to because we're so much alike to kind of butt heads and to to fall uh, to step into the same puddles over and over again. 
Um, and so for me, it, it became a question of like, how much, how much am I um, beginning to react to a perceived problem um, as opposed to responding to the person um, of my daughter? So the sense of, as a parent, um, when I when I find myself beginning to um, use my authority in a sense to correct the, the issues as opposed to um, guiding the person or or receiving um, what her needs are, um, I find that you know it's it's imperative for me to to stop and to to bring all that to prayer, to bring her to prayer, um, to to be on my knees in the morning before God. Uh, begging for for guidance and, and where's her heart? How can I speak speak to her? That doesn't mean the problems go away or or the arguments or whatever. And what it does mean is that it, it gives you more of a capacity to receive the other as as other, um, especially as they grow and they start to form their own you know ways of of uh, making decisions and and speaking and what what they want to wear and things like this. Um, to always to remain at her service in the sense that I can't possibly know um, the entirety of, of what she's going through or um, what how she looks at herself right. um, and and how she desires to be look, looked at by me or by anybody else. I can see things in my own limited vision, and yet I find that 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 if I rely on that limited scope. I, I tend not to be able to serve her as she deserves to be served. Right. I, I think one of the things that's always been something that Stephanie and I have, have, have done is saying is what we're doing, we, the, the primary goal is to have the heart of our child, I mean, and, mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. lead that heart. So we can be very concerned, particularly when they were younger, but even now, you know, with the outward behavior of a child, you know, and, and mm-hmm. that's probably how you, how do they handle, you know, the receipt of a gift or how do they handle when somebody takes something from them or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you do have to get involved in that. You have to teach them, yeah. but the carrying it a little bit further, which always requires a little bit more time <laughs> and effort, um, to say, how can I deliver this message in a way that will get to their heart? Not just, mm-hmm. not just correct the outward behavior. And so, you know, you might have to extend it. And again, practically speaking, we've all, we learned a long time ago that, you know, the time to teach is not in the middle of a conflict. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you correct, you tell them that, that that's not okay, whatever, but you have to go back in a, in a moment of non of non-confrontation and begin to work through your thought process with them. And that would change from age to age um, about what, you know, what is going on and why this, why, you know, why this matters. So, I mean, I remember like, I've talked about it before on other shows, but my oldest son, who's now about to be married, very responsible, you know, was, I think personally addicted <laughs> to video games. I mean, mm-hmm. I, he's overcome that and I'm grateful, but, uh, but I remember being up at, you know, on a, the, particularly this time of year kind of brings it to memory because when they didn't have any school to go to and I got to go to work, you know, there's the, 
the two. <laughs> you felt really great about that, didn't you? Yeah, well, no, so I can remember him being up at like one o'clock in the morning, like, Dad, I don't have to get up in the morning. I said, well, how long have you been on this? And, you know, he says an hour. I said, no, I, I asked that to get to the truth here. I, I've been watching. It's been three hours. You, you, need to turn, you need to turn it off. And so we're going back and forth. And he's like, well, how's it hurting you? How's it? I said, it's not about hurting me. I mean, and, and one of the things that I did I, at the end of that conversation, which I said was, I, I said, now ask yourself, I've got to be up at roughly six o'clock in the morning. It is now one thirty or two in the morning. Mm-hmm. Why the heck am I talking to you? I mean, how can that be good <laughs> for me? Mm-hmm. So ask yourself that. And I think that's something that parents need to point out to their children is I'm doing this for you. Because the easy thing for me would be just go to bed, plug my ears in, shut the door and say, have at it. Go as long as you want. And it's amazing when you flip the switch and you begin. And again, to get to the heart is like, think about why am I up at this time asking you to get off? Is it just because I want to wield authority for my sake? I could go back and go to sleep. You're not keeping me up. It doesn't make any noise. But you're but you're playing. And I think that that's. We as parents have to make that extra effort to point out and even ask the question, you know, why am I doing this? And, and, I, and again, if you've done it before, one of my favorite questions used to be is, why do you think this is? I, you know, I, I, this is why, and I would make the comment sarcastically, <laughs> would be, you know, my whole job is to make your life miserable. That's why, that's why I say no. <laughs> and they would look, What? And I'm like, okay, exactly. I mean, you even catch that that's not the reason why. Mm-hmm. You know that. So yeah. I think what we have to, as parents, recapture authority for what it is and not let it slip into the cultural understanding of authority to be able to go and say, and, and you have to teach your kids and make them think and make them put it in their own way. You have to make them think, well, why is dad saying I shouldn't do that? Mm-hmm. Or I should do this because I'm after your heart. I want you. So mm-hmm. anyway, that I'm not saying tell your kids that your sole job is to make them miserable, but I have before. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyway, um, what about uh, what about authority in terms of um, an anger? You know, is how do we? How do we wield our authority? Uh, I'm sure there some people would say that uh, anger is never appropriate. There's that. Mm. There's that view of things. Um, but you know, Saint Thomas Aquinas says that anger is the appropriate reaction to uh, injustice, right? Mm. So right. where does where does anger come into using our authority as as parents? Mm. I, mean, I don't. I I can. I, I want Adam to talk. But but I'll I'll just throw in my I think you have to it's like what what is causing my anger? What is the anger about? And exactly your point that it is an appropriate response. Paul himself says, you know, be angry, but don't let your the sun set in your anger. I grew up in a household where the rule was, and Stephanie's longest fight ever was as a result of my raising. My mom said, Never, ever go to sleep or separate from somebody without saying I love you no matter what the situation. So and meaning I, it. I mean you can't just be it. a flip. No, I, I you know I can agree to disagree with you. I can maybe not even like you, but I need to be able to say I love you. That was drilled into my head forever. Yeah. 
And so the first argument with Stephanie ever was, I, literally, I kept her up the whole night. <laughs> we went, and then we then we sat down and made some rules. I said, "This is where it came from." She and I came up with them, but the but the reality is, is there's something that says if it's unjust, then I can do it. So if somebody talks badly to my wife. There's a level of anger that I might show as a result of that. That when when one of my children talks to my wife, their mother, in that way, that that might be legitimate to make a point but there might be other things of anger what is it and again i think it's to make a point to get at their heart sometimes anger can express you've really hurt me and this is a great injustice right but you if it's if it's everything is the same level of anger (laughs) then you're not you're not helping them understand there's a difference and sometimes sometimes anger is part of the solution to putting a stop to the injustice. It's its a necessary component to being able to put a stop to whatever un, unjust thing is, is taking place, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm Irish, and so anger comes natural to me. So I've yeah, got, I've got yeah. to really m- monitor myself on and ask the question, why, right. why am I angry? Yeah, because sometimes it. I'm angry because it's, I'm just, it's me, mm-hmm. not really an injustice I'm doing, right? Or that I'm yeah. trying to write. Agreed. Fair, same yeah, for me, Adam. What do you have? Yeah, that's what I was going to say too. Is is uh, the sense of like, for me, I, I'm the same way. You know, anger is something that you know can come easy when it comes to like the child disobeying or something or not not doing something that you expect them to do or whatever. Um, you know, going right to the severity, you know, approach, but. At the same time, you know, like you said, it is it is useful in certain instances because it's it's an emotion. I think one of the one of the things that people generally, I mean, one of the tendencies is they try to repress something or to hide it or, or to act like it's not real. I, I think one of the healthier things is to to name it as anger. Like you know, I'm I'm angry right now because of this. Like, yes. like you said, Trey, this this sense of like owning it, but trying to like really consider it because it can be like a flashpoint where you're like, ah, oh, I'm angry, but the sense of I think a really healthy thing is being able to express like why I'm angered by this or, or whatever. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's part of our te- teaching. Like you said, not to not to go into a half hour, you know, polemic about you know, right? Um, disobedience and authority or something like that. But the sense of saying like this this hurt. Like I'm angry because I'm hurt, and I I think sometimes, especially as men, it's like it's hard to be like that hurt me, you know. Yeah. We did that. I'm hurt now um, because you can't hurt me. You don't have that power over me, that kind of thing. But the reality is a lot of our anger comes from the sense of being hurt and uh, or disappointed or uh, all these things that I think are very powerful when it comes to communicating to people that love us, you know, yeah. why we're we're feeling that way, you know. But it, it can be hard to articulate that in a time of, you know, anger. So it serves us, but it can also kind of muddy the waters. But I think it, it's... It's definitely, you know, something that's just part of our our makeup as human beings, and it's and it's can be used for the good as as well as for evil, right? I don't think that um, my example in response to something you said necessarily it's moving away from this question of anger, but it it ties into this idea of of talking about hurt, and I've found that it's it's been very good for me to explain to my children that because of how I was raised them um, them showing that they 
them being respectful to me as as their father, as their parent, and in how they talk to me, and how they talk to my wife, and how they um, help keep keep up good order in the family. For for example, um, you know their tone of voice when they when they speak to me. For example, mm-hmm. that that is a sign of of their love for me, and and it hurt. And I've said it explicitly many times. It hurts me when they don't do that when they don't give me that respect mm-hmm. um, because it it brings on right it make, brings on feelings of being taken for granted not being appreciated mm-hmm. um, not the the hard work that you do or the sacrifices that you make not being appreciated the life that you gave them not being right you know all these things that you don't expect them to hold all those things in the front of their mind at every moment of the day because they're they're children mm-hmm. but it's things that you want over time to build into their heart you want right. to you want to impart that into their person it's like seasoning though you, you you don't want to use anger all the time to do it I think sometimes communicating disappointment and so to be purposeful and trying to in Holy Spirit driven ask for the Holy Spirit to lead you to how do I respond best sometimes anger might be the right answer but other times even though anger is there, just to, to to let the anger sit and 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 express disappointment, mm-hmm. sadness may be the better response. But then again, that's part yeah. of the purposeful parent. You get, you've got to be thinking about what's the best way to communicate what I'm really feeling that's going to have the most impact on the child. You can't always control yeah. that, but anyway. Yeah, I think I think you're you're right. That sense of of like if if it is sitting, um, not in the sense of ignoring it, but, I mean, it's an ability to clarify, you know, the anger, because I think that's one of the things for me that is difficult is that confusion, you know, that hot-headedness that, you know, you you get confused or, you know, you're angry and you act out of that anger, um, which happens, you know, but the sense of if you're able to, you know, um, seek some articulation or clarity in the midst of that. It would be, I think, the most potent um, tool for, yeah. for conversion in the family. And that's, I think, we always want to be able to give a reason why mm-hmm. something. And sometimes you have to stop and you have to say, "Look, I can't. I'm, I'm angry. Let's let's separate for now." You, mm-hmm. you understand that, but we're, but, but as a parent, need to be able to say, "We're going to set time aside and we're going to talk about this," mm-hmm. and then go through. This is what I hurt me. This is why I responded this way. This is what I would think you would. But maybe could have handled this better or said that better. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Well, we have we have about a minute and fifteen seconds left. Um, Adam, you came on here um, giving this this great topic of seeing the current crisis as a an abuse of authority. And do you want to, with maybe thirty seconds, give us a final? thought or a final maybe question for people to consider as they go into their week about this and any, any kind of a parting thought yeah it's, I think um, for me just thinking about this um, this whole topic and and everything that's happening is a sense of there's there's a bigger picture um, at play here there's, there's a lot more that can't be seen that's that's working itself out in this historical moment um, but it's it's a moment of of um, great opportunity, a moment of, of growth for us as individuals, and obviously we need to ask the tough questions about, 
our church and and uh, what's going on, but there's also a chance for for renewal within our own families, um, within our own hearts. This 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 great desire we have for for authentic freedom, um, and there's there's all these things uh, within our lives, within our homes, this that kind of enslave us or hold us down. And I think this is a great chance to, to seek uh, greater freedom in the Holy Spirit as a family, as an individual, as a parent, as a layperson, um, as a great lover of, of Jesus Christ, in, in a sense of this is a moment, a historical moment, and each moment, um, because we're one with Jesus, can bear eternal weight. And a sense of, of really wedding ourselves to Him in, in the entirety of His person, not just in the resurrection, but in in the the way he walked this earth and the the way he suffered death on a cross, the cross is part of our story, um, and one member of the of the church carrying his cross affects us as well, and and these these things that that happen, um, it it you know that it it's not something that we can ever say are good things, right? We can never minimize the the the, the trauma and and the sadness and the sorrow that 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 is is here, um, and yet. Um, the cross is salvific, and there's redemption that's that's being had each moment. And as a dad, as a husband, I I throw myself at the foot of that cross, and I entrust myself to that that redemptive work of Jesus Christ, even in the midst of sorrow, uh, confusion, and pain. And just a sense of a call for renewal within our own hearts and with our own families. I I really hope that in my own prayer and in my own life, as a husband, as a father, as a as a lay person, as someone working for the church. And that is is something that I, I continue to um, place myself in, in that posture of receiving um, from God in the midst of this um, a, a greater glory, um, even through it. You know, not despite of it. Thank you, thank you, awesome. Adam. That's great. Well said. Yeah, thank you. Uh, putting ourselves at the foot of the foot of the cross so important. And Trey, you want us to go. Give well, so I think in keeping in keeping in keeping with um with this idea of both renewal and the fact that we're meant to be uh, people who who look at what the church has and put it up against what's going on in this culture, I think that Romans twelve two would be great. Um, Romans twelve two is do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good, and acceptable and perfect. And so, with that in mind. Um, Let's go renew our minds, be transformed uh, at the foot of the cross. And um, remember, pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. And he will. God bless you guys.